I can take you back and pull up at least five red flags of where you may, uh, may have unconsciously ignored it, but should have drawn a boundary to love and protect yourself, but you didn't because you didn't feel confident. And that's okay. I'm not trying, I'm not here to shame you, but I want you to recognize that you can change your future. You can change this from happening again, but you have to first go back and recognize where did this come from in the first place. This is a really critical piece in the person who's been cheated on to understand the mindset, that state of being that the cheater was in. And the reason for that is because understanding that helps you detach from internalizing it. Wherever you are, if you have cheated on someone, You've done it because there's something you're seeking from that, that you don't have in your life currently. You can say you don't have it in your relationship. You can say you don't have it in your life. I think that's more appropriate to say, I don't have it in my life right now. All right. Welcome everybody to episode three of the Wounds to Wisdom podcast. What is cheating all about? So this is going to be a really powerful episode today where we're going to talk about what cheating really is, um, why we do it where it comes from and about agreements that we have in relationships that more often than not, we're unconsciously breaking, right? Uh, a lot of people shame cheating and judge cheating, which is, you know, apt because cheating hurts people. And it, to be honest, it also feels like shit. But if you don't understand why you're either cheating or why you may be attracting people who cheat on you, you're not going to be able to break out of that pattern. And that's what we want to break out of that, to have the loving life and relationships and committed partnerships that we have, right? So also with me today is another amazing member of my team, Christina. Christina, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Why, thank you. How are you doing, Yats? I'm doing good. I'm having a uh, furry eyebrow day, apparently, which I think is an everyday thing for me, but today just seems extra furry. Sometimes my fiance, when I'm watching uh, a movie, will just sneak up next to me with a pair of scissors because she knows I'm so engrossed in movies. I think you know this too. And she comes up and she just starts snipping. And the last time I almost got stabbed in the eyeball, and I'm like, what's wrong with you, girl? Why would you do that? She said, your, your eyebrows look so Greek. And I was like, yeah, because it's a symbol of my masculinity and strength. So that's what I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, that sounds a little dangerous. Um, maybe right. we need to change that approach yes, with your fiance. And second off, you just happen to be in luck because furry eyebrows are trending right now. So you're ahead of the I curve. Was. You got it. You're ahead right. of the trend. Am I, one of those, am I one of those trendy girls, Christina, with my furry eyebrows and stuff? Yes, precisely. Yes. You're a trendsetter, essentially. Right. I thought you were going to say you're in luck because furry eyebrows are, uh, are a symbol of fertility, masculinity, and um, what is the other one? Um, Virility? Yes, that's the first one I said. But what is the last one? No, something with finance. I, I think I have great eyebrows and I think that they're going to do really well in my life, hopefully carry me far. But today we're going to talk about cheating and what cheating is all about. I see we've already got some people um, logging onto this podcast. We're going live while we're watching, which is amazing. So um, are you excited about this episode, what cheating is all about? Yeah, I actually really am. And so what's also interesting about this topic, and I'm sure you'll get into it, but really this call and this conversation is really for everybody. So like if you have been on the side of being cheated on, or if you have been somebody who has done the cheating, we're going to go into something for both sides, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, me too. Honestly, and you know, a lot of people wonder how I've gotten to where I have with this work, building this company, doing this teaching. Um, and they don't know that 
actually cheating was a very big part of my story. People naturally think that people who are in work teachers or gurus, um, you know, or just coaches, that they naturally have had, had it all perfect, you know, that everything has gone really well. It's actually quite the opposite because I think a lot of us have had challenging pasts in our relationships or in our lives, in our health. I think that inspires us even more to want to create a different life and to also teach people on how to have a different life and not to make some of the mistakes um, that we've made. So I'm really excited about it. Um, my first question to you, Christina, have you ever been cheated on? Oof. Starting with the heavy hits. The heavy hits. Um, so per my knowledge, I have not been cheated on. Okay. My whole life. Again, per my knowledge. That was a short and somewhat lame answer, Christina. I mean, people are logging on here for like amazing, interesting, juicy stuff. And clearly we're like, oh, well, thanks for watching, guys. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just joking. But um, what about, have you ever done the cheating bit? Uh, so that was what I was going to elaborate on. So mm -hmm. I have been on the other side actually twice in my life in two different um time periods you could say so I can either go into that now or I could just ask you the question back to kind of set the tone in regards to well if you ask me the question back I'm gonna have to talk about it because cheating is something that I think here's something so crazy cheating was my mistress doesn't that sound insane and people listening are probably wondering like what does that mean cheating was your mistress cheating was my go-to thing to run away from my relationship. So cheating was my mistress. Cheating was my girlfriend on the side, so to speak. Irrespective of who it was I was cheating with, I had such a strong relationship um, with cheating. And you know, now now that I'm I'm speaking about it, I'm gonna go in into it. If you don't if you don't mind, I'll come back to you. But well, I was gonna say I think um, if, before you even go into that, if you I wanted to say one thing and. Yeah. That's that we, you and I both know that this topic is very sensitive for so many people. And so for those of you guys listening, tuning in, I also want to preface, you know, this conversation that we're going to have and really invite you guys to just listen with an open mind. And this is for two reasons, because I, as I had said earlier, really this conversation, it's going to help heal people on both sides of the equation because Yats and I, we've both heard so many stories about cheating. And so I would say, and I don't want to speak for you, but we can equally hold space for people who have been cheated on and people who have done the cheating. And the reason why is what we're going to go into. And so really, um, you know, if you've been cheated on, it can create this sense of pain, like yeah. we kind of living it. And then if you have been the person who has done the cheating, it can really like reliving it can put you in that state of shame or guilt. And we can kind of see how both of those emotions, while emotions are always kind of disinforming us about things that we still need to heal, we can't stay in those places. And so this conversation is really going, the understanding is going to help you heal um, whatever your relationship to healing has been. So with that, I'm going to hand that back over to you, Yats, so you can go into nope. your I'm glad you prefaced with that because, you know, we've had a lot of, we have a lot of clients who come to us about cheating, right? And I would say maybe the majority is on the end who've been cheated on. And we do still have like 20% or 30% of clients who have done the cheating. 
And in both cases, the after effect is just disastrous. You know, it's a loss of self-worth. You completely question and doubt yourself. You invalidate whether you can actually have love if you're capable of a beautiful relationship, if romantic relationships are out there. And I think that that's the sad part about cheating is what it leaves us with. The broken hearts, the questioning whether it's the other person's behavior, my own behavior, questioning why and how I got into this. And for me, I've been on both ends of the cheating. And so I've been able to, it sounds, it, it's shitty, but I have been able to learn and understand what it feels like on both ends and why it happens on both ends of the cheating. And one of the biggest things, like, you know, as I was, uh, as I'm saying to people, and the first thing is to even understand what is cheating, right? What is cheating in a relationship? Because sometimes I've actually seen relationships in which, um, you know, this is one of my favorite relationships I've observed in any of my friends. They're a slightly older couple. They have two kids in their 20s. And she loves to dance, right? She's always going out there dancing. He, not so much. And so the first time we all went out together, me with that couple, uh, we went to a club and she was just dancing on her own. She was dancing with a bunch of other guys. And he was standing at the bar just having a drink. So I went up to him first and I was like, man, like, are you okay with this? Because in my experience and limited knowledge at that time, I thought it wasn't good. So I was like, dude, are you okay with your wife? Not even fiance, not even girlfriend. You okay with your wife dancing all his men? He's like, yeah, man, because I don't enjoy dancing that much. And she does enjoy dancing. And I know how she feels when she gets to dance. She comes home so fulfilled and happy. It's like me when he loves racing. And so she travels around with him going for all the formula and races, which she hates. But she does it because she understands that's what he needs to feel like loved and connected. And he said it actually brings our relationship closer. And these two, like they, when you look at them, the sexual chemistry and magnetism between them is amazing. They party together all the time. They're so social. They've been together so long. They're amazing parents. I've seen them with their kids who are in their like 20s and they're amazing. And that was the first time for me, I think I recognized how, how much the dynamics of different relationships are different. And as long as two people in the relationship set the agreements and set the dynamics, that is all that I believe matters in a relationship. So when you think of cheating, Cheating is when one person, yes, breaks the other person's trust, but more importantly, it's when one person breaks the agreement of the relationship or the connection that um, was designed to be had. And as we go along in life and relationships, we have to keep evolving our um, we have to keep evolving our agreements, no? Because we're in different stages of our lives, like when we're parents, um, before we're parents, when we're just dating, they're all different agreements. So I think what cheating really is, is when an individual breaks the agreements that are created with a, a pair. And that's why what's important is to actually create the right agreements together, even just subtly talking about them so that they're understood between each other. And then once you do that, it allows people to have their individual expressions in a relationship. So they feel like I'm not being closed off, I'm not being constrained. It allows each individual to thrive. And therefore, in my opinion, it allows the relationship to thrive because then you have two people who are feeling fulfilled as relationships, as individuals coming together. And cheating doesn't only have to be sexual. It doesn't even only have to be sensual. It can just be emotional. You know, sometimes you can have a partner um, who wants to be your best friend. And when you have another best friend of the same sex on the outside and you're really connecting with them, it can feel very invalidating to this particular partner. So then you have to have an agreement around, okay, 
I want you or I'm going to be your source for all your emotion, emotional security, love, backup, et cetera. And in our relationship, I don't know if I'm okay with you having that level of connection with people outside. Whereas there's other relationships where that part isn't an issue. So I think it's really about the agreement between two people is what sets the standard of what is um, the healthy dynamic and agreement in a, in a partnership. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think healthy, vulnerable conversation is one of the the biggest, most important pieces that's missing in so many relationships because of exactly what you just said. Because we a lot of times we go into relationships and it's very unconscious, like the way that we're showing up. And then there's like this dynamic that plays out or like whatever the relationship is. And like, there's just... We have like when you talk about having agreements in a relationship, but like how many people actually sit down to talk about, you know, this is how I feel loved. This is how I feel cared for. Um, this is what I want from you and vice versa, right? Because relationships are so much about um, not necessarily meeting the other person's needs 100% or compromising 100% because again, like too much one way is going to create resentment or, or self uh, abandonment on either side which isn't healthy either. But really, yeah, everything you're saying, like these agreements and relationships, and they're so unique to the relationship, like to that couple, which is also really, really important. And one last thing I'll say before I, I ask you a question uh, is that like when you're looking at a couple and what their agreements are, it's so important to look at the intention so like, especially like what you're talking about with, you know, the, that couple that, you know, you know, her, the woman's intention to like dance with men, it probably wasn't to make her husband jealous. Mm -hmm. It probably wasn't to like, you know, just like sucker punch him and be like, you bastard, you didn't, you know, you canceled on me last weekend. So I'm going to like stick yeah. it to you or like punish yeah. it, protest behavior. Really, they, their agreement was really just like, Hey, like, I want to dance because I feel alive. It makes me feel sensual. And like, I do, I kind of need another person to, to do that. And so you can kind of see how that intention was very pure and it was also mutually agreed upon. So that's why it works. And so the reason why I say that is also because, you know, like when we even look at, um, for example, like I do know people who like might bring another person into the relationship or there's, yeah. you know, the, um, polyamorous relationships out there. And so right. the one thing I ask and everybody is just coming back to, well, like, what's your intention? You know, like, cause some people they'll, they'll have like another person in the relationship. And the intention is because it's keeping them from deep connection with their partner, with like their, yeah. the, with like, you know, the person that they're, they're preventing really vulnerability, preventing yeah. them from bearing themselves, you know, escaping the possibility of rejection because, you know, I still have someone on the side and, you know, that's sometimes that's what I think of polyamorous relationships is that they're an escape from, you know, commitment and commitment can be challenging for those of us who don't have a good and healthy education on it, which is also what this call is going to be about with cheating. But yes. yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's okay. uh, but I, I absolutely, you know, you said something really powerful, which is a lot of time in cheating, the intention is to unconsciously harm the other person or to get back at them or to try and get their attention also, mm. which, you know, is, is a wounded way of trying something nice, which is, I just want my partner to try and pay attention to me. 
and to create that sense of jealousy. I mean, we had Miles on that podcast, right? Like the first episode that we talked mm-hmm. about. Yes. And he talked about how his, you know, that he went to a nightclub with a partner and she, or, or she went there and he went to pick her up. And she came out of the club with her legs and arms wrapped around another guy, intentionally in front of him saying, I'm going to go home with this guy. Now, what is the intention of that? The intention, clearly, you've asked your boyfriend to come pick you up. And if you're doing this in that moment, you're clearly trying to get your boyfriend to feel something. That is your intention. You probably don't even want to go home with that guy if your boyfriend wasn't around, but you did it just to instigate a feeling from them. That is a really wounded way, which, in my opinion, if the relationship had a healthy dynamic of, con- of communication a while ago, she may have expressed that I'm not feeling validated, I'm not feeling loved, I'm not feeling connected, you know, I need you to show up in different ways, which could have changed the relationship, you know? Mm. So cheating is such a broad context. And yeah, coming back to, you know, I just want to share a bit of my story and I've been on both ends. I remember when I was cheated on is one of my first loves, you know, so you're younger, you're more attached and it means so much more to you. Whenever, and I'm going to talk about from the side of being cheated on first, whenever we've been cheated on, the pain of the cheating completely hides the, the cause of how we even got to that point where the cheating happened. And for me, in what I mean is that like I was with this girl and she, in her own apartment building, there were like these guys who she was really close with and she kept saying they're like brothers to me. And my self-worth was so low. This is the key thing, right? Um, statistically, most of the people who get cheated on express themselves as anxious attachments. Did you know that? It's insane. So statistically, most of the people who get cheated on express themselves as anxious attachments. Now, what does this mean? This means that these kind of people heavily attached to a relationship, their value of themselves comes from their relationship and how their partner treats them or loves them or values them, which also means that their sense of self-worth from the outside or internally from themselves is automatically low. Now, statistically also, the most the people who get cheated on the most have reported to have hurting self-worth, a lack of self-confidence, and a lack of like a confident image of themselves. So all of these things, again, is that what they get from the relationship. So I'm talking about two statistics we're putting here together, which is that people who tend to get cheated on have expressed later on that they were hurting, had no self-worth, uh, didn't feel really confident in themselves. If, you, if you're watching this and you're live, I want you to throw in the comments if you agree, if this makes sense to you. But, um, and at the other end also, that statistically people who got cheated on tend to be anxious attachments because their relationship means everything. And because at that point, they're not getting a sense of value or validation from themselves. So in this relationship, they accept treatment that is much much, much, much lower than what they deserve. Cheating is only the end, the far end of the crime, so to speak. The red flags have showed up much before around the relationship not being good enough, the partner or their loyalty not being shown, and their attachment to the relationship. Listen to this. This is really key. Their attachment to the relationship blinds them from predisposed behaviors that are unhealthy, that are wounded, that create a lack of connection and love. And so, you know, as we know, a lot of our clients who come to us, they're like, oh, I didn't see it. You know, I never saw my partner cheating on me and we were together for 17 years. And I'm like, I'll bet in five minutes, I can take you back and pull up at least five red flags 
of where you may, may have unconsciously ignored it, but should have drawn a boundary to love and protect yourself, but you didn't because you didn't feel confident. And that's okay. I'm not trying, I'm not here to shame you, but I want you to recognize that you can change your future. You can change this from happening again, but you have to first go back and recognize where did this come from in the first place. And it comes from in the first place, us unconsciously, if we've been cheated on, us unconsciously not taking care of ourselves enough, not valuing our own needs, not valuing what we want in a relationship, unconsciously settling, letting the other person's behaviors like stray or squeezing down on the other person and not giving them any space because the relationship is everything to us. And at one point they want to burst and go outwards and therefore do what they do. So for me, when I was with that girl, I was hurting in my self-worth. I actually remember so clearly I'd come back from boarding school. It was an all boys boarding school. I'd come back from boarding school and I was thrown back into this relationship world where I had to fa- like, you know, now make relationships with new people outside in the social world. And I lacked a lot of confidence at that time. I was a football player, as you know, and I had a, one of the worst injuries of my life. So at that point as well, I had, I was hurting, low self-worth, didn't find any, you know, value in myself really. I was disconnected from my friends because my injury didn't let me connect with them. And then I think I just kept allowing the relationship with this girl to go where it did until she cheated on me. And today we're still friends, believe it or not. But it's because both of us have evolved from those wounds. But I have to recognize that guy who was there at that time and why he unconsciously attracted the cheating. I don't even want to say why he allowed the cheating, why he unconsciously attracted the cheating. Because that, that woke me the fuck up and said, not only do I not want someone to treat me like this, I don't want a relationship that goes in this direction at all. So I said, what's important for me? Is it just to change the type of partner I attract or to change the way I express myself, change who I am, change how I believe in myself, change in what, what I believe I deserve so that I can attract a partner who can show that back to me. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Sorry, I, I know I went down yeah. a rant, but. No, it makes so much sense. And the biggest thing, I have a really important question to ask, but the biggest thing that stands out that you said among many, but one being this this really, this hallmark pattern that a lot of us have of not like air quote, not seeing the red flags. Right. And so I'm going to say two things and then I'm going to ask you, so you might not think about this, but before I ask that question about like what red flags can you look back on now and kind of see like in that relationship. Um, one thing I also want to say to everybody listening is that so often, as yet said, we get into a relationship and because of that lack of confidence, that lack of self-worth, all of those things, we tend to get so wrapped up into the, this feeling that this other person is choosing us and it makes us feel so loved and like chosen and just like, oh my gosh, like this makes me feel special, right? And so that can just really put a blinder on our ability to see those like those red flags. And so, so many people will be like, I didn't see it coming just as Yat said. And so I would really encourage all of you guys to even like look back at the relationship um, that you may have had where, you know, you didn't see the red flags and really like look for those instances where they did exist. And so, again, it's not to like shame you. It's just to draw that awareness. And what that does is once you can start to see it in your next relationship, 
as you're working on yourself and like you have a stronger sense of self, you're also able to see those red flags that you once ignored. And so turning it back to Yats, now I just want to know what were some of the red flags that maybe you can see now, but that you didn't see in the while you were, you know, in those um, puppy love stages of the relationship? Well, I was like 16, no, 16, 18 years ago, man, that's tough. But um, looking back, the red flags, oh, so clearly, the red flags, I, I was more anxious at that time because I was someone who wanted that love and validation from my relationship. And I made the relationship my entire identity. And for me, I think, um, you know, I, we kept trying to create times when we could meet and she kept giving excuses why she couldn't. And she kept saying like, yeah, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. She would make me, even though my entire leg was on a cast and I had surgery and stuff, I, she would make me travel all across the city to see her, which as a masculine thing is, I think, more important. However, when I'm completely injured and not in a state, I could barely bathe myself. Imagine that. And yet I would do it. I would abandon myself. I would find a way to lug myself all the way across the city in so much pain, hurting myself just to meet her for like a morsel of her time, which wasn't even that deeply connected. But I'm so attached that those few moments meant everything to me. And I overvalidated it. And I made it seem like, wow, she really, really cares about me. You know, when looking back, her lack of commitment, her non-desire to want to show up. I don't even want to see her. Maybe it was an inability, but she was giving me the signs all along, yeah. you know, saying that she wasn't that deeply interested. Like she just, it's not even that she was stringing me along, that she just maybe did it because I was an older guy and I was a football player. Like, I don't know, but it was yeah. just the signs now are so obvious. Mm. Would, I'm curious, would you say even that those close male relationships she had, was that also a red flag? Oh, hell yeah. Like, looking, <laughs> you know, I think looking back now, I mean, those were, they were her childhood friends, yes. But looking back now, I can see how intimate they were all the time and that I never even, I would ask about it. But I was so afraid of being rejected and her saying, well, you know what, if you're not accepted, I'm leaving that I wouldn't make it an issue, but for sure. I mean, those were some of the most obvious red flags looking back, you know, the level of intimacy and trust and how much time she spent with them over wanting to spend time with me. If I was completely okay with that, that would be one thing, but I wasn't. And I was just suppressing it. That's what's really unhealthy. No. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Um, like you kind of had said that because this is kind of going to be sprinkled in a little bit more, but just sometimes we really do use those friendships as kind of like this buffer to get our emotional needs met to, and it's preventing us from that deep, profound intimacy. And so if I'm going to be really honest with you guys, like there's one guy that I've known for um, like four years. I absolutely adore him. I love him to death, but like, I wouldn't call him a friend because we started out dating and like super compatible, but also just like, one of different things from life in very key ways. And so I'm bringing this up because what's interesting is that whenever I'm in a relationship or he's in a relationship, like we don't talk at all. I probably talk to him like once a year, maybe um, just to do like a little like check in just because like we do, we are like friends and care about each other in that way. But at the same time, like we have this deep, like, you know, romantic type connection. And so if I'm ever in a relationship out of respect and integrity for the relationship, 
myself and the person I'm in a relationship with, like I don't reach out to him because we have that connection that that would blur that goes that crosses boundaries and lines. Um, and that so is healthy. Yeah. That is <laughs> that's incredibly healthy. I mean, I think that's a really good example to a lot of people, even who are listening, not just on both ends, you know, where you can draw the the boundary to say, I'm in a relationship now and I don't think we need to continue this kind of friendship or on the other end. And if you find that someone you were interested in is now in a relationship, you can also draw that boundary and go back and say, I don't think this is healthy because I'm going to be strung along and you're going to unconsciously maybe cheat on me while you're with her or vice versa. And this like promise me a future and I'm never going to have it. So, but here's a good question. Do you think you were always capable of drawing that boundary with him and saying like, no, I, I, I can't actually show up with, in our friendship while I'm in this relationship? Or did it take you doing some inner work for you to build some sense of like, I think to build some sense of self so that you could actually say that to him and not be afraid of potentially losing that friendship. Oh yeah. This is totally new age, Christina, that has like definitely healed a lot. Um, and so, yeah, so cause this is more of like a newer, like friendship relationship that I have with this person. Um, cause my, I would say my healing started probably about five years ago. Uh, and so like I said, I met him four years ago. So like in that, in the four years that I've known him, like I've just, I've done so much work on myself to be able to recognize those like, just like those unconscious like patterns that happen, like when we're, when we're like, you know, air court, like kind of like using one another for, for something. And so like, even like with him, it's, it definitely is this unspoken thing that we have where like, even um like he knows not to message me if I have a boyfriend and like same thing with him like I'll, I'll do a little check-in like hey how's it going and then like if he's just if I know that he's in a relationship like that's it like I don't pursue the conversation and you know, that's that's like where we respect one another and it actually isn't spoken like we don't necessarily like talk about it it's just like just how mm -hmm. it is but definitely before I would have been like clinging to um to that like even um I actually had a married guy that was very interested in me. And um, at first it was very like casual conversation. And so like he would message me on Instagram and we had like so much in common and like all these things. And so I had just gotten out of a breakup and my heart was obviously shattered. And so I'm getting this attention from this guy. We have so much in common. We're chatting, we're chatting. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, ooh, we have way too much in common. We are way too compatible to be friends. And I had to like look at that relationship and like, I'm like out of respect for like you and like your relationship, like we can't, I was like, so I like don't message him and I've told him that I'm like, you know, I did. Yeah. But, but I could only do that if I did inner work to be able to recognize, mm -hmm. oh, wait, I'm hurting. So I'm getting attention wherever I can, even yeah. if that means it's in a place that is not aligned with authenticity uh, and and that's just isn't like in, in line with my integrity. Um, so yeah, so that oh, that's what I would say about that. Um, you know, I'm going to jump in here because this is a good segue to switch to the other side of when you do the cheating. And this reminds me of my days when I exhibited a lot of narcissistic behavior. Also, guys, I apologize if you can hear my dog. Like she, when she dreams, she literally like makes sounds and sings. And I'm in single dad mode right now because... My partner is is traveling, so 
I have no choice but to keep her in the studio here. But um, this reminds me so much of the, you said something so beautiful, Christina, where you said this friendship has so much uh, in alignment or we have so many things that are in common and there's way too much of like this attraction that is beyond just a platonic friendship. There's something here that's really powerful. And when I was like, you know, I exhibited a lot of narcissistic behavior and also I, I don't know the statistics on this one, but I would imagine that a lot of narcissists would be comfortable with cheating in that sense, because it provides you an additional source of love and validation, which is exactly what I got. But here's the crazy thing. I was in a committed relationship with someone for six years. This is the next one, right? Where I'm doing the cheating. So this is this stage. And I truly believe I love that girl. But I don't get, I also know now I didn't give her all of the healthy love that she deserved and that I deserved to give her. I also believe that she was lacking in certain ways, which it takes two hands to clap, right? Which is the combination of why we got to where we did. But I would so easily justify when I was with this girl and I found connection with other girls around and there were so many similarities. I feel like that was my ego also searching for this strong connection and validation from other people just so I could feel more and more and more love. And I would justify creating those friendships, keeping those friendships, and then skirting that boundary of where does like connection become a, from a friendship, go to another kind of relationship. And because I needed that sense of validation so much from those other women, I would just cross that boundary and I would sleep with them. And I, for those of you who are listening, and this is an honest part of my story, which is why I'm here today teaching about inner work. I destroyed a beautiful relationship, destroyed friendships, destroyed a beautiful life I had because I had cheated on my partner up to 35 times. That's an insane amount of cheating, even when I look back at it. I've gone through so much inner work right now that I don't feel that level of shame that I did once, which was incredibly brutal because you destroy somebody's life, you destroy your friendships, you destroy your own future. And then you think you're a monster. I thought I was a sex addict. I thought I was just hooked on to constantly getting women's attention and afflictions and affection. And then I realized like when I sat back, so here's the process of what happens with that cheating. You want wherever you are, if you have cheated on someone, you've done it because there's something you're seeking from that, that you don't have in your life currently. You can say you don't have it in your relationship. You can say you don't have it in your life. I think that's more appropriate to say, I don't have it in my life right now because otherwise you just blame the relationship and you justify cheating on people very easily. And for me, I, after the, the cheating, I shamed my past self so much for so many years. I, like I said, I thought I was a sex addict. You know, I thought I had so many issues until I finally, you know, once I started to say, instead of me judging that guy, my past version. Let me try and understand why he did. More importantly, because I don't want to screw up my future like this anymore. I don't want to just put a label on myself and say, I'm a sex addict. I'm a cheater and I'm always going to screw up my relationships. I want a beautiful future. I want a beautiful family. I want commitment. How do I get from where I am now to there? So I looked at then that guy and I almost spoke to him as if he was my younger self. And I said, why, why did you do what you did? Try and teach me. Tell me about it. And as I listened deeper and deeper into his stories, I found out that that guy who exhibited narcissistic behavior and who everybody loved and valued and thought this guy was so confident and he's a soccer player, 
that guy had such a low sense of self-worth, such a low value of like, you know, his own self, such a poor understanding of his own needs. And so he looked at the external world and said, the more you can love me, the more I'll feel love. The more you can make me feel special, the more I'll feel like an amazing guy. So every time I slept with someone, we know sleeping with someone is the fastest way to get validation, like physically, because of the oxytocin that comes through sexual connection and physical contact. And I kept doing that as a way to get hooked. But when I went deeper, I realized it's because my whole life, I have unconsciously been seeking the love and validation of my mother. So insane. And I've always been wanting it from her, but she's the one person who wasn't able to give it to me. Mind freaking blown. And initially when I sat with that, I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. Like my mom is like 900 years old. It's so all of these girls are like, you know, my age or maybe a little older or whatever else. But they all to the T represented characteristics of my mother. So when I was honest with myself to say, why did I do what I did? How did I find myself in that situation? I was able to see what is it that I wanted. And I wanted loving, nurturing, care. I wanted a sense of maternal protection. I wanted someone to take ownership over me. All of the things that my mother was incapable of giving me. And so I kept trying to overcompensate. No relationship was ever enough. I kept wanting to go out and get more and more and more from like these women, no matter how much they gave me, because deep, 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 deep down inside, I was still trying to get it from my mother. And I never could, I never would, because she's not capable of that. So yeah, I'll tell you guys the solution in a little bit, but did that make sense? Yeah. So one thing I really want to highlight, because there's so much that you said in there, and thank you so much for sharing, because I know this story, um, like, you know, obviously we've known each other for a while, so I do know um, most of your story, if not all of it, but, you know, just even being able to share this with other people, is, it's huge. So thank you. Um, and one thing that you said at the end that's so important is like, when you have this deep wound within you, I think it's a great visual to literally think of it as a whole. Right. So, yeah, it's talked about um, always wanting this love from his mom, this nurturing, this attention. And so that really is a mother wound. And so this mother wound, again, this visualization of like picture having like a hole within you. And so what we do is, well, how do we fill this hole? We have no idea. And so what Yats said is what you said, Yats, is like, OK, I went out to other women and just cheat. And so what happens is you get it from one person and then picture it, you're pouring into a hole. So it literally goes in and goes right back out. Then you're like, okay, like I got that. I got like a little bit, but wait, I still need more. Cause it just, it's a hole. It literally seeped out. So it's like, think about it. Like the smaller the hole, it'll eke out like a little bit, but if it's a big hole, it'll just like go straight to the bottom. So I think that's a really good visual to, to envision. And then also um, it just really shows how we will go looking for it in other people in the external, which circles back to why we need to do the inner healing. Yeah, so yes. we are like, oh, nope, I'm going inwards. I'm patching up that hole on my own so that when, I'm, when I do get external connection from another person, it's, it's just um, it's not even filling you up because you're already filled. It's like elevating you even more is right. I think a better way to have. Even yeah. then, you can draw a boundary with the kind of connection you're getting from people. Yes. Because yes. you no longer need that kind of connection and validation that you were getting before, which 
which basically was an overcompensation of your wound. It's what your wound was attracting, right? And I, I heard this beautiful thing once, um, more recently, where this guy who cheated on his wife a lot, like they obviously broke up and they had a chance to have a meeting again. And she said, why did you do what you did? And he said, because that is what I learned on how I have to get after love. It was not you. It was nothing about you and the relationship. I mean, of course, there are elements of like she would have attracted and they played upon the hand in love. But it was about how he had no healthy idea of how to give himself love. And so he went out and got it the way he did. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. And I feel really bad now because even as we talk about it and bring up these stories, that poor girl, you know, I was with her for six years. I broke her heart to the point where afterwards she hated me and still visually I can feel a lot of that resentment and I don't blame her. I understand. I hope that one day she'll be able to release it and understand where I came from, where she came from, why, what happened, happened. It's such, it's such a hard thing to get over. And so I hold space for whatever she does and needs. Um, but at the same time, I look back to myself and I'm like, I can't hate you for doing what you did anymore because I see why you did it. You were so wounded. Like you said, there was a big hole there. And because there was that big hole, there was no way I could draw boundaries. I didn't understand what healthy love was. If I was in that situation you were in and you had that strong friendship with that friend, I would have screwed around with it, to be honest. I would have used it. I would have used it as that external validation. I would have used it as an excuse to like, you know, keep me, you know, feeling good. And here's the craziest part. At the end of the day, when you don't have that self-worth, when you don't have that like self-love and connection, whatever end you're on, you're going to sabotage your relationships. You're going to destroy your relationships because you don't believe you're worthy of healthy love. So do you want to add anything to that, Christina, before we talk about the quote-unquote way to work through this? So if you're listening, hang on here because we're going to tell you some of the things that we've learned, we've practiced, we teach people all around the world that help them get out of these situations and attract a much healthier love. Yeah, and, you know, while... Well, I said at the beginning, it, this is a really critical piece in the person who's been cheated on to understand the mindset, that state of being that the cheater was in. And the reason for that is because understanding that helps you detach from internalizing it. Yeah. And so I actually have a question for you um, to go a little bit deeper, actually, yeah. um, and so for those of you guys listening, this is something that we do in like our programs. And so, yes, yeah, if you will bear with me for like two minutes and do a practice with me, is that okay? Yes, absolutely. It, I feel good to be a participant. I promise you, like, you know, so often that I'm doing this all the time when someone's like, hey, let me do this on you. I'm like, yes, please. Yes. I'm going to sit back, do this work on me, make me feel like all heavenly and, and, and honey, oh. bump, like I'm ready. We're not, I don't know if we're going to feel heavenly. <laughs> Right now. So actually, um, so my point, and in, in, I'm going to do this with Yats in just a second, but my point is to really focus on like who was Yats. And like he talked about it at a very cognitive level. But Yats, I want to go a little bit deeper. So if you could just close your eyes and I'm going to close my eyes with you. And if you could just start to picture yourself in that relationship, doesn't matter when it was over those six years. But if you can start to see that 20-something-year-old Yats and thinking of a time that really stands out when you were cheating, maybe it's one incident or with one person, but if you can see that situation happening, seeing the scene play out, 
you can tap into your own state of being. How did you feel in that moment about yourself, about life? Can you tap into that version of Yats? Getting me really emotional doesn't happen often at all. Do you want me to answer? Yeah. Go ahead. He was so lonely, you know. He had to travel so much. He lived away to for his job, play. He lived in a country in a place where no one spoke the language. So lonely, he missed his family. He didn't know who he was. Mm. Felt so uncomfortable just being by himself, you know? Yeah. Did he feel lost, desperate? Yeah, he felt desperate for any kind of love. Mm -hmm. Love of like people, of friends, but the love of warmth, you know? Something makes him feel like he's wanted. You take a breath into that and then exhale. And seeing that version of yourself, however many years ago it was, can you see how you didn't deserve to feel those things? Yeah. Yeah. And can you see how holding on to those feelings and any guilt or shame about the cheating that you did do, how it was preventing you from creating a really great life for yourself and getting into a relationship that is really loving. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like the whole space and time then was just, just so wounded. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask you to slowly open your eyes whenever you're ready. Mm. And yeah, I wanna I wanna thank you for this is what I call letting us into your emotional, your intimate world, really. Um, and so- How'd you do that, Christina? Don't you know her on a, on a freaking podcast here? Like, what are you doing? I'm not supposed to be the one crying, but it, it felt amazing. Well, yeah, and so this is where, you know, we segue into, so so as I as I mentioned, and I just want to double down on this, it's really seeing the the state and the wounds of the other person and understanding that their actions had nothing to do with you and then everything to do with like themselves, right? Because a person that is really, that had that's secure, that has a strong sense of self, they would be able to communicate in a relationship and not necessarily, you know, break those agreements that you, you have with another person. And they so, it's yeah. not even, I, I think it's not even just about, they would not be able, they would not want to break those agreements. They would know what they really want. Mm. Someone who's feeling more secure would know what they want. They'd be defined by it. They they do the work for it. 
and they wouldn't let these uh, other things that come up in their life as like quote unquote temptations, whatever, pull them aside from it because they're very driven by this is what I know I want and deserve. And so I'm not going to sabotage it. Why would I sabotage that? You know, yeah. like in the, I, it's so funny, my current partner, if I may um, just say, it, you know her very well. Um, she's a very loving, open, feminine spirit. And I think of myself even as in that couple, you know how much I love dancing, how much I like going out, how much I like do my things. And she provides me that space so unconditionally. And sometimes once I asked her, I was like, you know, aren't you afraid or do you ever wonder? You know my past, you know where I've come from, you know about the cheating. Are you, are you ever in your own mind afraid of that stuff? And she's like, no, not at all. And I say, why? And I wonder if it's like some blind thing that she has that she doesn't want to believe. And she's like, no, you've done your work. You've come so far. And she's like, I know that you will not want to sabotage this relationship because you know how good it is. So you will know that you're an idiot if you try and do something that will screw it up. Mm-hmm. So why should I worry? I know and I have complete trust because of that, because I can see who you are today. I can see what you do. I can see how committed you are to certain things. Because like the one thing I know you'd want from me is maybe space. Like, you know, when you need a little space to work or do anything, but I don't think you'd want to find some things with other people because I think you know what you're giving yourself, which is so important. And I think you know what you're getting from the relationship. And you've established that the combination of those two things is where you need to be right now. And, you know, for all her, she's younger than me, as you know, she's, she's really emotionally wise. And I'm grateful that she said that because it mirrored back to me that, you know, first, I want to say to you, Christina, thank you for taking me through that. I, I didn't think I would get that emotional. And I know it does this to me, right? I do it to everybody else. And they're mm-hmm. sobbing, they're crying. So it feels good to be on that end. Um, but so I learned well from my master. <laughs> yeah. I also want to say how proud I am of for those of you watching, listening of Christina. You know, I taught Christina and trained her and taken her through the motions and for her to do it with such confidence back at me and, and create that journey. I think that's remarkable. So mm. I just want to take a moment to, to say I'm really proud of you and I trust you in, in everything that you do with the NAADS. But coming back to it, you know, and this is part of that growth, part of that solution, whether you're the person who's done the cheating or the person who's been cheated on. The key thing there is to discover what do I need to do for myself so that I feel more of a whole so that I feel more internally validated so that I feel more loved by and for myself. Now, a lot of you may think that, well, this doesn't make sense because we're trying to get in a relationship. But when you feel more loved and valued for and by yourself, take, for example, if you're someone who has a poor time drawing boundaries, people who generally get cheated on also report that they have a harder time drawing boundaries as per that report says. And if you were someone who had a stronger sense of self-worth in that moment, you would know where the red flags are coming up. You would either draw the boundaries with that person and their behavior, or you draw the boundaries with yourself, not allowing yourself to stay in a relationship that's not going to be loving and valuable and supportive to you. And on the other end, if you feel a sense of love and value and you normally have cheated on someone, you wouldn't want to go out and try and, and you know sabotage your life by looking for these things in multiple sources. It's like I tell uh, Aisha, that's my fiance, I say, you're my queen. And what I'm trying to build is my kingdom. And it makes no sense for me to take my bricks from this kingdom and keep scattering them around like in different parts of the world. Because then now what's happening is I'll just have bricks lying over and I'll have a never completed kingdom. 
Mm-hmm. So anyone who knows what they want, their value, their worth, what they want to get from a relationship, they will know how to protect the relationship, how to draw those boundaries, how you so well said, Christina, like you told that other person, it is so natural. Here's another thing I want to tell you guys. You will find people who you can have connection with outside of your relationship. You will. Don't make the mistake to think that, oh, this is my partner. He's the only person or she's the only person I'll ever find a connection with. No, you will find connection with other people out there. There's fucking 7 billion people on this planet. Man. That's about half. But what's important is what you choose to do with it in that moment. That's what determines ultimately whether you sabotage your relationship, you're going to cheat on someone or not. It's where you yeah. draw the boundary. I love that you said that. You, you draw the boundary and you say, this is very beautiful and tempting for me, but where I want to put my effort, my energy, and my time right now is in this space. And this is what's valuable for me right now. Mm-hmm. But you can only do that when you know deep in your heart that what you're putting your effort into is going to grow into something beautiful because you believe in yourself. You believe in your choices. You believe that you manifested this relationship for a reason. You believe in, in the fact that you have chosen this, that you deserve love. And that's how you manifest that, that journey. And, you know, on the last thing before I like jump onto you and then we'll, we'll wrap soon is this is the work that we do at the NAS. Christina, anything you want to close out with? No, I mean, I think you said it, everything really beautifully. Um, I was, I think you wrapped like a, a pretty little bow and everything. Um, and yeah, this is all just, I just want to thank everybody that has tuned in because, you know, this type of conversation, it can really trigger us and it can really trigger our wounds. So just as always, those triggers, they do teach us so much about where we still need healing. And so if you're, you know, if you're, if you know where your healing is, if you're feeling triggered or any of those things, as Yat said, we have so many different ways where we can help and support you. And what I got to Yats through is like, just, just the taste, just a little oh, taste. Yeah. So Absolutely. I was like two minutes. I obviously didn't want to go too deep into it, but we do like super in-depth work. Um, I just wanted to, wanted to illustrate that. So thank you, uh, Yats, for um, for letting me uh, do that with you. And thank and, you so much for bringing me on. And you know what? This was actually, a, this this uh, episode and this conversation was a really good help and healthy example of the masculinity and the femininity. Because if you watched, there were two or three um, moments where Christina tried to provide that gentle cushion for everybody listening, saying, hey, you know, I know this can be really hard for you, especially for those who've gone through the experience of the cheating. Um, and she provided that loving kind of like delicate protectiveness, which is the femininity aspect, the feminine and, and it's on here. And I kept providing the structure and the direction of where we were going to go, which is the masculine element. And so the combination of this is always creates beautiful experiences because we live in a yin yang space, no? So because I brought that up also because our future episodes are going to be about the masculine and the feminine, how to create strong polarity in your relationships, how to learn from maybe past experiences that may have gotten us wounded, prevent us from expressing our true masculinity and true femininity. Actually, to link this point, when at that time in my life where I was cheating so much, I was not a very masculine individual. I mean, I expressed mm-hmm. myself in masculine ways by playing sports and all of that stuff, but inside. I lacked a sense of diligence, commitment, grounding, safety, and structure. And all of those things are very strong masculine things. You know, I wasn't dedicated and committed enough to something. I loved being like, you know, going with the breeze and the flow, which is very feminine and beautiful. But there was a, there's a level of dedication that's needed from the masculine that creates safety for the feminine. Just a side note, 
Did you know that for women to, to have a true orgasm, she needs to have a sense of safety that she feels from the masculine. When a masculine is cheating, for example, a woman's intuition is one of the most powerful things on the planet, more powerful than I think earthquakes. And she can sense that something is not right. And it'll prevent her body from feeling that level of experience that feels truly connected because her intuition is telling her she's not feeling safe. So there's just so many beautiful like lessons that come from our past experiences that can teach us how to evolve and change our lives for the future and to have more loving experiences, you know? Yeah. yeah that sounds like you already started to talk about next uh, episode yet. So everybody's got yeah. a free preview, oh, just so you know. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to slow down this. Wrap it up. Here are five episodes coming up. The best female orgasm, masculine and feminine energies, uh, how to actually overcome, you know, the, the cheating and the pain. There's, there's so much that we can go on talking about. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this was a beautiful experience. If you enjoyed this, please, uh, when the podcast links come out, subscribe to the podcast because you'll get an update when they come out. But if you're watching it wherever you are on a live stream, then please make sure to like it, comment on it, share it with people. Please, because if this work can help you, I'm sure it can help so many other people. It helps me just speaking about it. So that I will say to you all, thank you. Thank you, Christina, again, for joining me. And um, we'll jump on here again soon. Namaste. Love you all. Send you love and light wherever you are. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.